So it's back to September. Yes. Which is just as school year starts, mm-hmm. because we all know school only starts after Labor Day, because that <laughs> is God's ways, right? You would, uh, you would think. You would think. Not so true anymore. It makes sense where I am, at least. Uh, um, but, uh, uh, you know, so things start picking back up at the parish, although we're mostly getting our stuff kickstarted in October, just because everything has just been hard to get anything started this month sure but um you know so we had weekend mass that was good and everything and then um i put out the word about like our young adult group viu group which is so for those who don't know we we have a we have a, I have a university my parish with nineteen thousand students right uh-huh. kind of kind of a lot right for 12 years 12 years we've been trying i think i mentioned this before we've been trying to get club status on the campus mm-hmm and they would say, oh, you could just join the Christian club. You're just, you're Christians. So you could just all be in the same club. It's like, no, 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 no. Even though, and God bless them. It's great, great for them. Like there are four Muslim clubs on campus. Oh. But there can, there were forever. They were saying, oh, you can just have one Christian club. Mm, awkward. I, I, whatever. Right. Like, okay. So, but finally this past summer, we got our club status through one of our graduating students who worked at the student union and so through her niceness and everything was able to finally after a dozen years of fighting i have access to the campus nice more definitively so i met with one of the people who's going to be like it's small to start off with like it, it, this is not like uh, your american campuses there's no like chaplaincy campus stuff there there's nothing really i mean a little secular actually like we're trying to like I'm trying to find information on their prayer rooms to see if we can use them for if they're sufficient for mass. <laughs> but I'm looking to maybe you may not start every week right away. I haven't decided yet. Like I'm trying to figure this out, but hoping to have mass on campus on a regular basis now during the weekday, maybe mm-hmm. once a week, um, and maybe get a little retreat going this year or something like that. And and so I I put the word out for we're gonna have a welcome back barbecue at uh, my rectory on Saturday. And I had about eight or 10 new students also come up to me after mass and yeah, I'd love to come to that. Like, and they gave me, and I've, I've, I've signed up for flock notes so I can start texting. Cause I've realized with my world youth day pilgrims that I'm trying to organize. Cause you know, I don't have enough to do. Um, <laughs> <sighs> Father Anthony knows everything. This is how, what a year it's been. Um, we'll talk more about that later. I'm but, shaking uh, my head at you, but go ahead. Yes. I'm, but uh, uh, I set up a flock note to start using text groups because uh, young adults suck at email. Yeah. Like they really suck at email. Yeah. So, but I'm really excited. I have like 20 to 25 young adults come into the rectory on Saturday for, for, uh, for a barbecue, which is a nice little start for not really having anything established on campus at all. That is nice. So, um, uh, barbecue, what's, what are you barbecuing up? Some, some goose, so, some, uh, moose no. steaks. What are you, what are you cooking no, up there no, in, no, Can- no, in no, Canada? No, no, no. So I have a parishioner who came up to me actually that at, on Sunday mass and yeah. said, how many people you expect? I'm like 20, 25. He goes, so would like 30 burgers be good? I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay, I'm going to get you fresh beef from the farm, my farm. Oh, okay. I got the patties. So you do have cows up there. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so like I'm assuming like a, a a maple glaze on those patties. Actually, that would be kind of tasty. Actually, kind of would be. <laughs> <laughs> I would try it. <laughs> actually, I'm like, oh, actually, that would work. Actually, uh, but yeah, so it'll just be it'll just be a hangout. We'll kind of go over the year, what we're going to be doing. I'm I'm my, my other prong approach, my second prong to the year. Besides, I think I mentioned this a little bit on that podcast about family catechesis. Is mm-hmm. uh, we are also trying this, this the young adults my experiment to try out. Uh, 
a form of doing small groups that is more liturgically and sacramentally imbued, at least implicitly, mm -hmm. like that whole notion of sacrament, I guess, without it having to be explained to them. Sure. And so we're gonna they're gonna be my experiment. They're my guinea pigs for the year. But Super and we're actually hold that at the rectory too. I decided I want I'm not gonna do it at the office because it's fine. It's not as homey. Sure. There's something about a home, right? Even if it's right. a rectory and everything. My rectory's not right next to the church, but three minutes away. But that's it, it's, it's accessible for everyone, I think, by bus or car or whatever. Cool. Um, so that's gonna be kind of cool. But then this is like the next best part. I'm like, man, Jesus is doing some work right now, and I just, I mean, I'm grateful actually. I had the fifth young man in my parish approach me to talk, say, I want to talk. He wants to talk to me about priesthood. Awesome. That's that's like one parish. I got five guys. Now, will all of them make it? Absolutely not. Like some of them will realize this is not what God's calling them to. You know, usually with out of every five guys who say I'm discerning priesthood. Yeah. One or two go to seminary and then it's a 50-50 shot once they're there. Sure. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, a, it's a high attrition rate. But still, it's like, for me, it's like, Oh, good. A, I'm doing something good. That's that's nice to know. Mm -hmm. But um, B, it's just it's nice. It, it's I think a sign of life in a parish when men, young men are are thinking, or young women are thinking about religious life, etc. Um, I do have one woman in my parish who's thinking about religious life as well. So, um, you know that they're asking these questions, and are are um, yeah, just wanting to talk it out and see what the possibilities are is a is a really good thing. You know, so, I, that, that sounds great. It sounds great. But I'm still hung up on something that you said earlier on. And that's the whole thing with your campus, this this mm -hmm. uh, college. Because yep. I think they were actually more right than they realize. Um, so there's, they said there's already a Christian club. Why can't you just join that? And in a certain mm -hmm. sense, they're correct. That there is only one Christian club. And the Pope is the head of it. So you should have responded like, no, 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 that's okay. But they have to join our Christian club. Yeah, Actually, that's how are, it works. We're annexing the Christian club and making exactly. it the Catholic club and mm -hmm. usurping them into the Catholic church. You got to do it. Start an inquisition. Be like, okay, we'll take care of this. And then you uh, make sure you burn all the heretics and anybody who yep. converts can join the club. And, it, and you can just call it the Christian club because there is only one I holy mean, Catholic and apostolic church. And I mean, like with how secular Vancouver Island is, I'm sure if I did stuff like walk around in a cassock or, you know, do a procession around the campus with the Blessed Sacrament, I'm sure there would be screams of demons around the campus. So, yeah, exactly. I think you should. I mean, I understand what you're trying to do, but um, honestly, it sounds kind of weak sauce. I really feel like uh, you should have gone all out and just done an entire inquisition and I'll tell you what, the do, Christian you, club. do you want to be pastor? Because I am happy to let you have my job. Uh, well, you know, I have been pastor basically <laughs> for a week yeah, and I a know. half, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. So uh, yeah. basically it's super easy and I've had no stress for this week. So I could totally, totally take over your job in, uh -huh. in Canada. So yeah, uh -huh. bring it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How's the uh, passport going there? Uh, the, my passport? Yeah. It's a non sequitur. Well, not really. If you can handle being a pastor, I mean, surely you could submit a few forms. Pastor is that just because like word association? Pastor passport is that all that is? No, no. It's 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 to be a pastor also has governance, it right? Is, you have yeah. to deal with paperwork, yeah. right? You have to do a lot of paperwork, and so if this is the case, like if you can handle, if you can really handle being a pastor, yeah, yeah. I, I am. I'm just saying, like obviously, you've submitted your passport paperwork already. Well, right? you know, because uh, because mm -hmm. you are because you're saying that you're able to handle this. Yes. I'm just I'm just putting I'm just repeating your words that uh -huh. it's implied that because you can handle being a pastor, it means you can also handle things in life like like submitting passport applications. Right. Absolutely. And as you are well aware, <laughs> that um, important paperwork is a process. 
um, that it takes time. That you want to make sure you uh, don't have any clerical yeah. errors, because something like that right. could really upset the entire result. So, have you been over? Have you been overviewing the paperwork? Have you I been have. filling out the paperwork? Have yes, you filled out I have the filled out various paperwork. Um, yep. It is in my office right now on a pile of other paperwork, so it's in uh -huh. process. There is a pen. There's ink on paper. Uh, How much is it fully? Is it, but is it? Is it fully filled in? It is fully filled in. Uh, okay. It's just you know I so make sure delay? I get the right headshot. I haven't been satisfied uh, with my headshots so far. Um, none of them have really captured my the brilliance hair of my up, countenance. Hair down. Yeah, my hair's hair gonna be up down. for this. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I did a few with the hair down, um, but with uh, it just doesn't doesn't turn out as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. You, you, you would be you would be taking the side at immigration every time if you had the hair down, maybe. Yes. Yes. Well, it's funny when I had my like I had. Um, before, not as long hair, but with the beard and my hair, I would always get pulled aside, especially if I had a little bit of a tan going on, um, that uh, I would always, always, always get randomly searched uh, at yes. airports in early on yeah. in seminary. So for whatever yeah. reason, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you know, so well, this is good. I'm glad to hear things are in process. Mm -hmm. And that's a very pastoral response of saying a, a, way, a good pastoral way of justifying one's laziness, just saying. So it's very, it's a very clerical thing to do. Speaking of clerical things, welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Harrison. I'm Father Anthony. And as I mentioned, uh, I have been pastor for a while uh, at my parish. My, my but without the honor of the title or the rights responsibilities of pastor. Just the crosses. Uh, yeah. My pastor and a bunch of our parishioners are off in Medjugorje. And so my pastor's been gone for a while, about a week now. Um, everything was going swimmingly. And everything yep. was actually surprisingly calm for an entire <laughs> like week almost. And then I'm like, all right. Just got to go through the weekend, then Monday, Tuesday, my pastor gets back, Wednesday, will be, everything will be like normal again. And then Monday happened and everything started going wrong. So like I do all kinds of stuff. There was, you know, there was like personnel stuff, there was uh, people stuff, there's paperwork stuff, all this stuff just exploded right there. At, we're mm -hmm. so close to the finish line. And then I get a text mm -hmm. this, mm -hmm. uh, we're recording Tuesday morning. I get a text mm -hmm. saying uh, mm -hmm. that he's stuck. He's stuck mm -hmm. in Dubrovnik right now. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so like, okay, uh, I guess I'll take that funeral and this and that and the other thing. So <laughs> um, it is it is interesting because this is a very large parish. Um, the schedule is built for two priests. And when it goes down to one priest, unless everything goes perfectly, things are definitely a little bit crazy because it is built for uh, two priests. Um, so uh, the one thing that's interesting all seriousness is like I can do one of two things. I can do all the parish work or I can do all my own priestly work. I can't do both. That's what I've noticed. <laughs> like, you know, right now as a parochial vicar, I can like, uh, I do a lot of meeting with parishioners and um, I have plenty of time to work on RCA stuff, all this stuff. But then when you have to deal with personnel issues, uh, other stuff going on, um, our, <laughs> uh, our hot water uh, died right as my pastor uh, left um, the, the building. So yeah, so it's been a little bit crazy. So I appreciate um, what you're doing. I understand that it is nearly as difficult as what you say. And uh, I also know well, that I can least, do a better job least, than you. At least you have staff. I do have staff. I and they're lovely. But having a large staff has its own complications, Father Harrison. Oh, I'm sure it does. Yes, 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 I'm sure it does. But. Uh... Yeah, it's like you're getting just a sliver of a taste because here's the thing. In the end, it's like you start learning. You have to kind of do the priest and pastor stuff, and you kind of have to do both. 
and you kind of just semi-drowning sometimes, hoping you don't, you know, the waves and the water don't overtake you. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just think I could do a better <laughs> job than you. That's all I'm saying is okay. I'm pretty confident okay. about it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. What, what, what inspires this confidence? Just, you know, I think math bears us out. How many parishioners do you have? I get about 650 on a weekend. Okay. I have yeah. 2 billion in my parish and uh-huh. I, I handled a week of this very well. I just think yeah. the, the, the statistics bear out that well, I could. Well, no, but here's the thing. This. It's like, yeah, but it's like, you, you, you're the quote unquote pastor. Like really, you're just the parochial vicar doing the administrative duties of the pastor while he's in absentia. So like, I have made major decisions. If, any, if anybody, if anybody has any real complaints to you, you just say, uh, oh, the pastor will deal with that when he gets back. Oh, no, 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 not at all. I dealt with everything. I've also made major uh-huh. decisions. I'm removing uh-huh. um, our $4 million pipe organ, and I bought a bunch of banjos, just like so many banjos, <laughs> um, and just you know made that decision on my own. Um, somebody <laughs> was- it, are, you, are you wanting to be fired? Somebody was complaining about uh, Donut Sunday, and so I decided just to cancel Donut Sunday, because so, if you don't like the kind of donuts we bring, we're just canceling it, all right? So very pastoral decision. Yep. I'm teaching them what, it's, yes. what it means to complain. Yep playing to your pastor um yep. i'm i'm handling i'm taking every problem facing it head on and just crushing it well i i the one thing i'm happy about is that you're now going to have more time to record the podcast going forward because you're clearly going to be if these are the things you've done you're clearly going to be removed from the parish quite quite quick quite quickly it's all a part of my master plan father harrison uh i'm going to become a canceled a, a priest i'm going to become a canceled priest i'm gonna get a bunch of donors so i can have my own little house and then i'm going to just podcast and play video games all day and complain Jeez. about what a victim i am uh so you see i am a brilliant priest a brilliant pastor and everything's going according to so plan. it's all about you is what you're saying oh absolutely why did okay. you get ordained for jesus in the church yeah okay i mean there's some of that sure but that sounds like a lot of work um yeah. although interesting last little thing maybe we should probably get to the uh to the uh um theological emergencies but uh actually so uh yeah i have you know i've actually i've actually done this a lot more as a pastor where if someone i'll give you an example um at our mission church this weekend, one or two people complain that the sign isn't updated about mm-hmm. the time. And I said, yeah, you're right. I keep on forgetting about it. So would you like to fix it? Because I'm totally happy to put that in your hands. Yeah. No, no, Father, you can fix it. No, 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 really. Actually, I, I quite insist. I mean, this is your parish too, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when, when I get the complaints of why is this not fixed or this isn't fixed or that's not fixed, I say, great. So what are you hoping to do about it? Yes. And uh, because it's a gentle way, a bit of a firm way, gentle, gently firm, firmly gentle, however you want to put it. Okay. Way of, of, of uh, without being like attacking and, and, and everything, but just also saying, if you want to complain about something, that's fine. But also come with a solution as well. That's one way to do it. But if they came to me with that problem, I would just burn down the sign. No sign for you. You don't like it's how the sign, sign is? No sign for you. It's a, minor, it's a metal sign. It's a what sign? Metal sign. Metal, metal. sign? Okay, well, metal. you can take a sledgehammer to that. There's other... You got to think... You got to oh, be sorry, creative you guys in your say, pastoral approach. Do you guys say... Do you guys say metal? Like, de, like decal? Is that no, how you say no, it down no. there? No, <laughs> no. We do say metal. <laughs> I didn't understand what kind of sign it was. It's not the Mital sign. Uh, Mitale. That's the Italian for metal. It's Mitale. There you go. And uh, yeah. 
So, well, you know, pronunciation sometimes can create great theological confusion. Absolutely. And so we need to get our terminology right in theological emergencies. Thank you for calling Clerically Speaking. If this is truly a theological emergency, please dial one at any time. Hi, I flushed my goldfish down the toilet, and I wanted to know, is that a sin? Theological Emergency. We'll take your call at 412-912-7995. Hi, Father Anthony, Father Harrison. Uh, This is Ryan. Love the show. Uh, Ryan from Texas, I should say. Um, I'm having a theological emergency today, on this day that I'm calling you. The University of Texas, as we say in Aggieland, TU, is playing the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now, Alabama is our biggest rival, and in the SEC at least, and they are number one. If they lose, we uh, advance in the rankings. If, but University of Texas is our historic rival. They are the tea sippers. They are the worst thing ever. So who do I cheer for without sinning? Is there a lesser of a lesser of evils here? Is there a greater good? I'm having a serious theological emergency here, and I love your help. Thank you, and God bless you both. Love the show. Well, Ryan, if that's your real name, I think the real sin is watching football. Go on. I mean, think about it. It has no continuous action like hockey. Or or a basketball, mm-hmm. you you what five second plays at a time? Like what kind of fitness do you have to do? Right, it it kind of sets itself up as its own religion. It's on Sunday mm-hmm. generally, mm-hmm. and okay, fine. College football's on Saturday. Whoop the freaking do! It's still the Sabbath for the Jews. So like, really, we're we're kind of going against God's law here. Are you saying that football is anti-Semitic? Is that the (laughs) argument you just made on our podcast? I mean, they do use the pigskin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Nick, you keep all of that. You keep every sentence of that. What else? What else else about football, you Canadian? So here's the thing. Listen, I am not a football fan. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. If you, if you can't tell, I've actually become less and less a sports fan in general. I just partially because I don't have time mm-hmm. to care about sports. Uh, I mean, I'm hockey first, I guess, right? Obviously, Canucks are my team, but like, uh, although I am saying this all, like, I am going to a college football game in November. I am going to Notre Dame versus Clemson. I figure that like a once in a lifetime thing. Yes, this is all very tongue in cheek, but it's just. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, yeah, football is just a sport I've never really been like. I, I'm eager to to. It's just it does like it's funny every time I watch like this is like this is America. This is everything that is America about America. American about America. You know, <laughs> the because the very ritual of the sport, like the very ritual of even like the lack of tradition around the like for in the NFL for example, there's like no tradition around the trophy. I mean, it's a it's a it's the trophy and everyone knows it, but they make a new one every year. Like the Stanley Cup's been around for over a hundred years. Yeah. It's been handed from every hockey player to every hockey player who has won it. Like and they've all done unspeakable things to that trophy. Yes. Unspeakable. 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 But like 
there is tradition, right? Like there's real tradition, and Grace it's all tradition, right? And it, it's 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 like it's, it's all very American to me. Yes, and it, it is. It's kind of off-putting at times because it's very American religiosity to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably going to alienate a lot of our viewers by by saying this, but uh, and so it's just like it's just not something I've ever been keen against. So who do you cheer for? You cheer for whoever you want. There's no sin in cheering. That's true. And I think there's a, a bigger point, which is like nobody actually cares about like Texas. It's just like not that important of a state. Um, they There's this weird kind of uh, complex that Texans <laughs> have that they think that they're important, but really they're not. It's um, like alienating like two, three, three, three quarters of our Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, and it's just it's like, just what, what even is an Aggie? Down, yeah. An Aggie? Man, um, they sound like a bunch of really annoying people. If you're just going to like talk about like have a weird name for yourself and just proclaim it on a podcast. Sounds Says like you're, a yinzer. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, that's that's a real thing. That's a cultural thing. Uh, that's something deep in our history going all back from the immigrants. Um, Texas and Aggies, man, they just sound like irritating people. I'm not going to lie. Um, probably wear like stupid rings all the time and talk about their college all the time. And you know what? I just... It's kind of sad because nobody else really cares. So, you know, who are you going to root for? Um, I, it doesn't matter, right? Do you know who I root for? What? Jesus. Great. Great. Yes, we will all root for Jesus on Sunday. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think that um, uh, all the Aggies should just really get a life and find something that's important to uh, focus on. Uh, that's what it sounds like. These happened to me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the theological emergency. Now, there's like just a, there's a personality emergency. Being an Aggie is not a personality. That's the emergency you have. Like I don't know, go outside, Aggie, Aggie listeners, because I know we actually have a good good chunk of them. Not anymore. Just, just, uh, Father Anthony's opinions do not necessarily represent the opinions of clerically speaking. They literally so, do. So they literally represent the opinions of clerically speaking. I am half of this no, show. You are not. You are not clerically speaking, though. I am at least half of clerically speaking. No, you're you're a fourth, forty uh, percent. You're forty percent or twenty percent because of because editing is not really it's it's not really much of anything, right? What's so, not much of anything? Editing, editing. Right? No, that's pretty easy. So oh, yeah. okay, yeah, so, like that, yeah. you know, a monkey could do it, really. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's why Indiana pretty much does it now, anyways. Like what are you saying about my actually, niece? Oh, sorry. Actually, no, that didn't come out right. What are you saying? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My, my beautiful no, niece. I didn't mean to come to the other way. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Wow. I didn't mean to say it like that. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, okay. Let's go to the next one now because I just, <laughs> I'm going to take my foot out of my mouth because I am uh, not thinking hush, straight. That hush. is not what I meant hush to say. Hush now, Father Harrison. Hey, on, hush now. Okay. Hush, hush. I'm really sorry. Riley. Okay, let's see what. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Actually, you know what? Um, yeah. If we do any more theological emergencies, then I think we will lose all of our listeners. So how about we just take a deep breath and uh, move on to <sighs> Father Harrison's presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. It's the best part. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, I was going to talk about the Mass as Sacrifice today. I gave a, a, a homily on that on this past Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, which was the prodigal son. I actually focused on the second reading, but. Uh, and it was a little long. It was like it was almost twenty-one minutes. That's kind of. How long. do you know it was twenty-one minutes? 
because I recorded it to give some friends. Uh, I have some friends who um, could use homilies that feed them. Understood. So I said I would record them for a while and then just email them to them. So um, I just said, why? I mean, you don't need to listen to my homilies. Just listen to Critically Speaking. That's where the gems are. Absolutely. I tell people all all the time, I'm giving a talk at my parish this week. And I was like, why am I doing this? I'm just going to go to the talk. Play on the podcast. It's a bonfire (laughs) talk. So I'm going to go to the bonfire, bring my little Bluetooth speaker, and just press play. You're welcome. Anyway, sorry. Um, Yeah, so I was going to talk on that. I'd still like to. Maybe we'll do it in a couple weeks or something like that when I'm in more study mode. But... um, but for now, I you know I've been reflecting on stuff. So you know I have hinted at different things. Uh, it's been it's been an interesting year. Uh, Father Anthony and I had a little chat on Thursday, and I kind of I can't a lot of things I can't talk about, obviously, nor should I talk about. But, but Father Anthony knows some of the the crazy, literally crazy, mm-hmm. almost demonic stuff that I've had to deal with mm-hmm. in this parish. Not like the parish, like directly the people here, but just situations that have been brought forward to me as pastor of this parish. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's been a year. And, and and in all this year, I have been asking myself a question. It's a question I didn't know I could ask myself until uh, just some encounters with some friends going through some things their own uh, with some pretty deep sufferings and, and everything. I, I It got me to ask a question about, you know, am I supposed to be a pastor? Like, is this what God is really wanting of me. So as a little brief aside to this is, you know, in the diocesan priesthood, essentially there, there is no specific one thing. A diocesan, I mean, literally diocesan priests can do a whole plethora of stuff, right? We are, we are the infantry of a bishop essentially. So he can put us wherever he needs us as he needs us. Um, and, and so, you know, in a lot of bigger dioceses, the diocesan priest may not even have parish work at all. Right. Yeah. Back in the day, we you know, we would have stories about uh, priests who wouldn't even get assigned a parish. They would be like taxi yeah. drivers and stuff because there was there's a super um, influx of there were just so many priests. We didn't need them all the time. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Think about you know, so chanceries were overloaded with priests. And then, I mean, where priests can be cheap labor uh, and, uh, uh, you know, parishes would have three, four or five priests sometimes depending on the size, like my parish. I mean, it, was, it was bigger 50, 40, 50 years ago, but they used to have three priests here. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, so there's, there's, uh, there is a, yeah, a bit, you know, priests are university chaplains, right? Some diocesan priests are university chaplains or do a hospital ministry or do diocesan catechesis stuff or do more administrations. Like there's, there's really a whole, uh, you can do whatever you want. Like we, we, uh, Father Tim, one of our friends, his ministry is full-time chaplain to a Catholic high school. Yeah. Like that's his his whole ministry is just at the high school. Mm-hmm. He lives at a parish, but I mean he might help out with some parish stuff here and there. But he just does the high school stuff. So like it's very interesting, right? So anyways, um, but my diocese, as we we know, we, we we do not have a lot of active priests right now. We have eighteen active priests, which is not a lot. So. No. So so there's really only one thing that we can do, <laughs> or that we are used for, which is to be a pastor. And, and it's interesting because I never, I've never, I've always wanted to be a priest. Like mm-hmm. this, none of this, has, this, none of this came from like, oh my God, I can't believe I became a priest. That, not, it's not that at all, right? Um, but I was never in any rush or in deep desire to become a pastor. Sure. I would have been happy to be a parochial vicar forever, honestly. 
like you know some diocesan priests are like very eager for the day when they become a pastor sure right like they're they want that day to come and, and they're very eager to enter into it I was not like I was just kind of like whatever the bishop asked I'm probably going to say yes to and that's just the way it's going to be and then you know uh, uh, a a parish came up in Port Alberni, and, and so I went there for two and a half years, and then I was happy to do it, and then I got moved here to St. Peter's and said yes. Um, but it was, yeah, I was in this last year. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Is being a pastor the way I'm supposed to live all my priesthood? Hmm. Right? And it was a question that was very attractive to me because there are other things that I would prefer to do my, with my time, mm-hmm. Right? Theology is definitely something I'm always eager to do. Or just even just traveling up and down the diocese, the island, just going to do different things in different parishes or whatever. Like, you know, a family night there, do this here. Like, I love being around people, all that jazz. And so, yeah, I was just like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing as a priest? Because I think it's important for priests to have these conversations with their bishops once in a while. And uh, um, again, um, and I think, I really do think the best thing we can do for dioceses going forward with priests is to order priests as best we can according to their charisms. Like not their charisms of office, but rather their charisms of person, like, like things that come with their person, not their, there's charisms that come with office, right? So, sure. Um, and I think that that would, because I think actually you can start to attract more young men to the priesthood when they realize all the options and possibilities that are available to them to live out their priesthood in, right? So, yeah, because it, it was a tough year, and I just kept on feeling like I was drowning. And even last week, there were some days where I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is really, really, this is a lot. Because mm-hmm. right now I have no staff, so we're, we know we put out a competition uh, for that. Uh, a so competition? one. Uh, or sorry, we they have to like, fight to the death to become your uh, yes. new secretary. Well, we we've changed the title a bit so that we can maybe offer some more hours and po- possibly some more hours and and better pay to hopefully so we can maybe attract someone to want to move here or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so just it's a lot. And then like here's the other thing: so when you're a pastor, as you just you just alluded to with your Monday and Tuesday, yeah. Things look like they're finally going fine. You're getting through your paperwork. <laughs> Things are getting organized. You're like, finally, peace is upon me. Mm-hmm. And and then the unexpected comes your way. That just sucks a lot of your time. So that thing I was talking to Father Anthony about last week, that took up about 20 hours of a 10-day period. Just that one thing. Yeah. That one thing. And it had to, right? Um And you're just like, I'll never get everything done. And then you feel, and you do feel the burdens of the different demands because there's lack of priests, right? So I'm on like something like six or seven or eight. I, I've lost count, honestly, diocesan committees. <laughs> yeah. I'm also organizing the World Youth Day pilgrimage. I'm trying to get my darn PhD done this year. <laughs> I, 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 I'm doing some big things with the parish this year. Presuming I would have, I would have had staff in the office at this time. Yeah. <laughs> so, and this, you know, helping to get things going in the bullet, like just like a lot of those things I wouldn't normally have to take care of. I have to take care of just to keep the place running and going right i mean because like there is a lot of fruit here too like sure, we are yeah. pretty much at pre-pandemic numbers in our parish yeah like most parishes cannot boast of that mm-hmm. so you know that you just like yeah maybe i'm not the right person for this personality wise um gifts wise etc and I thought it was, and it was actually a very helpful question to discuss and pray over. Before I go any further, like, you know, 
question like thoughts about that like because i think it's actually a really i think it's a, a very helpful distinction to make like the difference between being a diocesan priest and living it out as a pastor is they don't they one does not equate to the other um or just yeah like that in a way like there's still discernment within the life of being a priest yeah no there there is still discernment in that um i got a few thoughts uh, bobbling around in my head um you know i had a a difficult few years when i began um, priesthood in, in, in the parish. And I really felt like, you know, I'll do this for now, but the parish isn't for me. It's just not. Um, and then I realized that it was just because I was not in a healthy place in many ways. And now that I'm in a really good place, it's like, okay, no, 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 I actually do love this. Um, so sometimes kind of being in a difficult time can skew um, our discernments. Um, so there's that I'm thinking about. I'm also thinking about it's just in general a very difficult time to be a priest. Now, our dioceses are in different circumstances, uh, but every older priest I know right now is looking forward to their retirement and can't wait to be retired, which was not the case mm -hmm. 15 years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. You would have guys... Um, basically be retired with assignments so they would take less pay but they would still like stay at their place or whatever like there was a desire just keep if they were healthy they wanted to keep going now that nobody's like that um because the situation in the parish the situation in my diocese is so radically different um mm -hmm. and it's kind of amazing to see guys who have genuinely loved being in a parish all their mm -hmm. life now they can't wait to get out not because mm -hmm. of the people but because of the situations they're placed in Mm -hmm. because of the strain of all that's changing in my diocese. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I was talking, like I have a, a, you know, different priests, uh, small groups I've been a part of, they've been really good, uh, saying like, I'm much, when I first started saying like, I don't know if I like being a parish priest. This was like a year ago, two years ago. Um, they said, of course you don't. Now's a miserable time to be a parish priest. Right. <laughs> Which was like right. shocking yeah, coming yeah. from an older guy, right? Um, uh, and, and to balance all that out, saying like it wasn't that like every moment was hell or anything like that. There was a lot about the parish, mostly the people, the ministry that I always enjoyed, but there was still something not quite right, it felt like. So there was some of that. Um, and so we are living in a time where diocesan parish life cannot function in the way that it used to and yet we all expect it to function in the way that we used right. to yeah yep. and i think that puts a huge burden on priests um yep. and i you know i've noticed more and more in my diocese that uh because we've been going through this process for a while that people are more and more understanding of that at first they were not but now more and more they are um but it's still this thing where it's like we don't know how to be diocese, be church, uh, without these structures and traditions uh, and expectations that we've had for the last mm -hmm. uh, however many years. Uh, so that makes it all the more difficult. So I'm thinking about all mm -hmm. that stuff. I'm also, my, at first I kind of, I've almost, I almost disagree with you um, okay. in that like, it sounds like you're 
like don't get me wrong i would like you very much to be like to have help and to have mm-hmm. maybe a parochial vicar and the staff and all that jazz um mm-hmm. but part of me is like well you're doing a great job mm-hmm. like that's that's Join. something and there's also yeah. something to the yeah. fact that like God's will is what is right in front of you. So these are thoughts. I'm not oh, completely yeah, yeah. agree oh, yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, these are yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not. I, yeah, I have. I, I have other thoughts. I hadn't. Cool. I yeah. So to, that's just, not just my initial reaction. Right yeah, no, no judgment think, in that. Yeah, I think. Yeah. It, yes. Parishes. The way we function is not going to work anymore. Um, um, it's a. It's definitely a time of real generational change in how we do parish stuff. I think there's a lot of stuff for sure and all that too it's part of the reason we're doing some of the stuff we're doing in the parish this year to try to get to a new uh, to try and inculcate some some new ways my my principle is always create the spaces for the holy spirit to do the rest of the work yeah like my job my act my activism is to create space to let the holy spirit move Mm -hmm. that's it cool after that it's his work not mine Mm -hmm. right so um but yeah, so it's been an interesting year in all this. And it's like, and, and when you're in the midst of it, like, especially when it's like at its like hardest times where there's never enough time in the day to get everything done or, or like, and it's like, I'll be honest, sometimes it's just the ADHD, like Friday afternoon, I was, I had a big pile of paper on my desk to go through and I'm looking at it. I'm like, I just, I can't, because with ADHD, sometimes you're just like, I know rationally, the first thing I need to do right now is, is whatever's on the top. That's probably the first thing to do. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, the rest of the stuff there also is present to your mind. And it says, well, yeah, but you can prioritize this and you can do this. And your brain just goes into a big mush. Yeah. And then you get very, you feel a lot of things and you get very frustrated. And so then I was like, do it. No, I've worked actually really hard this week. I've had a pretty big thing I had to deal with. I'm going home. (laughs) And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. Actually, I went to bed at like 930 that night. I just passed out. Nice. That was good. But I've been praying through this too. And I, I finally, after many, 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 many years, finally got back to some spiritual direction. Oh, good. I, I kind of sucked up my pride and said, fine, I'll do. I got someone in Vancouver doing it over Zoom whenever I can't get over there. And then once in a while, try and get over there in person. And uh, um, and that was actually really helpful because he's very different personality than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, he's like Opus Dei-ish and likes to have a schedule of life and mm-hmm. all these things. And I am not like that at all. So, I, but I, I did that on purpose. I wanted someone of a different temperament, but who has a good enough head on their shoulders that can allow for a variety of things at the same time. Sure. Right? So, you know, that was just really helpful. Just hearing some tips to try to remember to get back to basics on some things, but in like, and it's actually been some of these successes, especially in this last week, there's a few things I started to notice. Actually, it was in spiritual direction. This is the first thing I noticed. I don't know if it's about a bit about age, like some I'm going to be turning 40 in March, um, you know, some more maturing hopefully I said to him in spirit direction I was like you know what's really interesting I kind of just realized this out of nowhere I don't know why I'm telling you this right now but I don't care about my time so much what I mean by this is like I found my, when, when you're first a priest you know you're dealing with all the difficulties the demands the uh and you're not used to having to set your life aside and your time aside for others mm-hmm. that radically, yeah. right? Going from seminary to parish is a very is a very big shift. Yeah. And I think as part of it, it's like, cause here's the thing. I don't think there's anything different than what parents go through when they start having kids. 
right? It's I think it's very very similar from what I've what I've heard. Um, I said to me, you know, I'm I just realized that in this last year, I don't begrudge going to the office early one day or staying late. I just do it because I know it's what I'm supposed to do right now. Mm-hmm. And I stopped caring about do I have enough of my own free time. Now, obviously, that can be dangerous, right? Because you don't have enough time for rest, relaxation, exercise, like the basics of human life. Uh, that can lead to burnout. But it, I don't think that's the problem here. I think it was just like it was like a healthy growth sure. of weight. This is a virtue where I'm not worrying about do I have this? And I'm like, I don't feel burdened being in the office, which is, I spend a lot of time in the office. And that's, I mean, part of it, yeah, paperwork is a little tough for me to get through, but uh, it takes a little extra energy to do it all. But um, like, oh yeah, I'm not like bitter being here at 730. It's actually kind of nice sometimes if you're here that early, just sure. do your, your holy hour in the morning. No one's here. No one can bother you. You just kind of plow through emails and stuff like that and just, more stuff done and uh so that was one little thing and then like some of these successes the last few weeks of like okay huh some fruits coming here somehow Mm -hmm. this is good and it made me start to realize that yes i can be a pastor and Mm -hmm. that maybe that is god's will for me right now sure which was it took me about it's taking me like yeah 10 months to get there uh (laughs) but it was like oh okay i think I can do this and I think I want because when you're asking that question sometimes you're just like well yeah you start you can start to also pine for other ways of living priesthood right and I think this is where I'm sharing this more because like there's two things that I think are worthy of kind of discussion all that one is that now it's always hard to see it in the midst of suffering but you look back on the suffering and the difficulties and you see how they have purified you and chiseled you towards, you know, having a better virtue or a bit more holiness in one area of your life or something like that. And so you realize that the hardness and even like going through all the emotions and like not despair, but like you think you're feeling despair, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, but like, just like, oh my gosh, this is never going to get better. Oh my gosh, this is like, yeah. and you feel like a big pit of, in it all. Uh, you start to think like, oh, but you look back, you're like, oh wait, God needed me not just to go through the sufferings, but like to go through all the feelings of that too and look where it has led me to. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. Yeah. And I've said this before on Twitter and stuff, and I think it's true actually. I think suffering can often be, if we allow it to be, a kiss of love from God. Mm-hmm. It, it's a very, it's hard to understand how that is the case sometimes, but I think it can be actually. <sighs> yeah, no, I think it, is um my only hesitation in saying it is is that that mm-hmm. can be a very painful thing for people to hear who are in the Absolutely. midst of it uh right. that's something it, you can only yeah but i don't disagree with you at all right and it's not to say like it or when like a suffering like a violent suffering has happened to us uh through no fault of our own right right like abuse and stuff like that like that's not god's will right it's no. just and it, at all and so it, it's yeah you have to always be careful with this obviously right yeah. but it's just um i've seen a lot of growth in this last year and, and yeah there are days of frustrations and you wonder sometimes how you about different parish fights and stuff you have to have because you have them and, and 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 you try to grow in different things but 
it's been an interesting year of like I'm actually in all of it because like most of this I think would make most people want to run away mm-hmm. stuff I've had to go through this last year <laughs> and I think like the fact that I don't is kind of a testament like so I've been reflecting on those things to realize wait maybe this is exactly where I'm supposed to be which also then gives a freedom because then if God moves you somewhere else, you're at peace with where you are, but you also know that he's going to guide you to whatever he needs you. Like that's the thing. It's usually when you come to peace with this, that's when he like throws a, either a wrench or a totally new direction sometimes. But yeah, it was like, it was a yeah, it was just a good thing to like, I'm looking at this past year. I'm like, I'm and I'm not bitter towards it. How much of the difficulty do you think was because of your own expectations? Oh, I hold myself to pretty high standards <laughs> on being a pastor. Um, so this is the interesting thing, actually, in all of it, in reflecting on these things. Mm-hmm. One of them, one of the questions I asked some friends the other day, I said, do I care too much? Which is like, you know, it's not that cheesy. Well, I think one of my weaknesses is I care too much. <laughs> no, no, that's not what I mean, right? Yeah. Um, I worry sometimes that I am not quick enough to exercise pastoral authority, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give a lot of leash, um, unless it's immoral, evil, illegal, or heretical, right? Or strongly contrary to liturgical norms. Yeah, those things you always act right away. The rest, I my 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 pastoral principle is try everything reasonable to bring someone along. to where they need to yeah. be mm-hmm. to bring them along, and only then, if it doesn't work out, then you say this is the, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and that's actually like really exhausting. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. <laughs> Emotionally and everything. And I, like, and I hate like, I'm not, I know it's not universal, but like, I think the reason I question that sometimes is I don't think a lot of priests would have that from my hearing of others talking to what their, I think like their parish or their experiences of different pastors, most priests wouldn't give that much leash. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because it because of it because it is exhausting. I think you see this a lot with older priests who maybe started off doing that and just don't no longer have the energy for it. Right. Um, yeah. But like, so I doubt myself of like, am I am, like am I giving people? And probably sometimes I have. Sure. Right? Maybe I've given too many shots at something, right? Or and maybe sometimes I've been too quick to act because I don't want my feeling like here's the thing the problem with a lot of priests sometimes can be they confuse their person in their office as being the same thing yeah we've been talking about this lately yeah and that's dangerous right and I'm really eager to not do that as a pastor um, so but like the fact that I'm asking these questions is because like, I'm like if I'm going to be a pastor I'm going to be one who does things that way like so, I, in a way, it's like uh, it's mm-hmm. like right, right. Like I, I can't, I don't see how I could do it otherwise. But interestingly, I think part of it comes also just you start to realize family of origin stuff a little bit more too. Sure. Right? And just I think I unintentionally, unknowingly took certain habits from my father, mm-hmm. who owned a small soup and sandwich place, and he owned the place, ran the place, did most of the shopping. All like he didn't have, he had part time staff who helped him during lunch hours, and that was about it. Right. Yeah. Like he didn't have a lot. And so that whole, you got to just try and do it all yourself mentality can definitely take over. Yeah. Right. And, and I don't know if I'm really good at, like, I want to delegate. I don't know if I'm very good at it. And I'm sure like, that's one things I'm learning. 
but it was like actually interesting to see like that thing that can be a virtue too that my dad did all these things that I love to support his family right yeah and exactly what he did um, so I think it's given me the capacity to endure through it all where others it might burn them out or push them away excuse me um, but to be a pastor I have to be able to that's going to be a part of who I am yeah. Right. Not in a micromanaging way, but it's just like, and in a way, like I'm going, I'm going to hold up even like my volunteers and my staff to the same standard because I think, I think it's a good standard to hold people up to because it's for the good of the parish, right? Like mm-hmm. you're, are you doing this for other, because if I was doing things what I wanted, how I thought was good and everything, like it'd be, this place would be totally different and probably not have the fruits it's having. Sure. Cause it's yeah. not my work. It's yeah, not yeah, my yeah. work. Right. Um, I know, sorry, a little rambly here, but it's 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 just to say that how we function as a pastor, how we exercise our office, how we live that out, like it's I'm finding it starting to come to a maturity that has been missing the last four years, and it's kind of neat to see God work through that. In total, like I didn't even realize the whole. Like maybe I was a little conscious of it, but like like holding my own time to myself kind of thing was like I didn't realize that that needed to be worked out and that needed to be worked on until it kind of God kind of just took care of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Un- unbeknownst to me. And I'm like, oh wait, that's true. That's there, right? And then, but I I do worry. I guess it's like, but if this is where I'm going to be a pastor, that can be emotionally that can burn someone out. Sure, so like my brain goes this way like well am I being too accept or do I just need to accept the limits of things and say sometimes I just have to lay down the authority quicker not because it's not because it's um, the better thing to do but because it's it's the best I can do right now because if I give too much energy to all these things it's gonna suck the life out of me or something right so like, these are the questions you have to deal with and my brain just can't stop asking these questions right <laughs> but they get the heart of it like and here's the thing I think I never despite the days of like <laughs> I need a bone to be thrown my way please um I could never in good conscience ever run away from it because the second I stop like the way I've been putting it lately is like the second I stop letting the question of my destiny like my eternal life stop to press against my heart the second I stop to care, which is like, would be the second I stop to care mm. is the second I stop being a Christian. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's just like, it's this felt sense that every decision, every action really does is under, under the light of eternity. Not in like this overbearing sense, like, because that can sound overbearing. It's yeah. not that it, it it's the pressing of love that says, I want and desire more. I want and desire you Lord. And so I know this is where I am. And to be a Christian is to embrace reality. This is my reality. So I'm throwing myself at it as best I can. And you got to do every, you got to do a whole bunch of stuff here because I can't do it. Um, And to just trust that he does take care of that. And I'm showing, like he's starting to show me that he actually does take care of it. Mm -hmm. And thus maybe I can do it. I don't know. I'm being a little rambly today, but it's just, 
it's been on my heart and mind. It's yeah. also less theological for me, which is not a bad thing to do once in a while. No, no, it's fine. Um, no, it's it's good. So uh, maybe it's because I've had a lot of funerals lately, but I'm thinking about all this in terms of a funeral. So mm-hmm. even in, um, uh, like, you take the most faithful person uh, who understands what Christ has done for us, the resurrection, and someone they love dies. They still have to mourn. Like, there's no way to get out of mourning. Uh, you may trust the Lord. You may understand why these things, as much as a human being can, need to happen. But there still mm-hmm. needs to be a process of mourning that brings about a greater maturity and healing in a person. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that's a similar thing with coming to maturity in your vocation as well. Uh, that uh, this is one of the things you mentioned about like your time. This is something that I struggle with a lot uh, where I have to mourn the loss of control over my own time in a healthy way. You know, not, not saying that I work mm-hmm. myself to death or anything, but, um, and that, that's something that's been in my head pretty much since I was ordained six years ago. That's something I struggle mm-hmm. with. Like, am I actually willing mm-hmm. to, more on the loss of my control over my own time in order to move through healing and into a greater virtue of actually experiencing joy in following the Lord's will from day to day. Um, are we willing to go through the mourning of our own lack of talents? Um, people talk about how important it is that you give your talents to God all the time, your gifts and blah, blah, blah. And that's fine and good or whatever. Um, but I think what's more important is, is mourning your lack of talents um, mm-hmm. and embracing that. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, I had, had a difficult, you know, earlier this week I had to have a difficult conversation and I prayed mm-hmm. about it and I did my best pastorally and everything. And at the end of it, I was like, someone else could have done a better job at mm-hmm. that. Just period, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did the best job I could. Mm-hmm. Now I need to let it go, which is very yep. difficult for me to do. Incredibly yep. difficult for me to do. Um, to uh, come to realize that, like, this is why the question I asked about, you know, uh, how much of your suffering in this has been your own expectations. Um, right. And I wonder how much of that burdens me and burdens other priests. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we expect things that God does not expect of us. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we have this, at one hand, we have this good desire to have a thriving parish where people fall mm-hmm. in love with Jesus Christ and all that's mm-hmm. good. Um, but it's not going to look or come about in the way that we probably think it is. So that's right. what I'm thinking exactly. about. That's, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. right? Because you can't, like, I, I have, ide- again, like, I have ideas right now what I think we should be doing to build up the parish. Yeah. Um. But what the goals are, like, I have no measurable goals with that either. Like, yeah. Or no measurable. I'm not, I'm not looking for anything measurable because I don't. I take God's uh, indictment of the, uh, of the, um, oh, my gosh, what's the word now? The, of the census in of Israel by David. Oh, right, yeah. I take that pretty seriously that like, we should not, because you can't measure the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. And you shouldn't be. It's not to say that, like, listen, like I mentioned at the beginning, like those young adults and the the guys thinking about priests, like 
those are measurable because they're kind of right there in front of me, but I'm not seeking to measure them. Like, and I'm not, nor am I using them as, is this, is this mean we're going the right direction or not? Right. I don't know. I actually, that's not for me to judge. All I know is that that's a great fruit that's happening right now, either because of me or not because of me, who knows and who cares actually yeah. really. Um, I am going to definitely see it as a bit of a fruit, maybe of some of my suffering and also some of the prayers of the parish, et cetera, like that. But I mean, otherwise I'm like, nope, this is, this is just a gift and mm -hmm. that's all it is. And that's all I'm going to, that's how I'm going to receive it as best I can, because that's the best way. Because at the same time, like you also know that these things are fragile and can fall apart very quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. Like uh, when I, when I left our cathedral, we had a very thriving young adult group. We get like 50 or 60 on a Sunday night before, before I left. Right. And I was totally ready for the day when it would just collapse because um, those days come. Mm -hmm. And I was okay with that. Like, which I've, I've always, I think that's actually been a real freeing thing for me as a priest of like, yeah, I, things will come and things will go. And maybe I haven't been a priest long enough to know some of those attachments to things a bit more deeply, but sure. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's like, yeah, maybe I'm not the best manager in terms of like admin stuff. Definitely don't know anything about buildings. Like handy stuff. I am not a handyman and I'm totally fine with that. And it's just something I don't even have time to. All I know is where to put the to buckets better. in my church when it rains. Yeah, <laughs> I know exactly. that. I know where to put the buckets because I know where the leaks are going to be. I don't know anything else. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, um, but like, it, yeah, there's just some, like, I've always had this kind of freeing sense towards things of I'm just going to do my best. But the thing is, I put a pretty high standard of what I think my best should be. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know that. Like, it's like I I submitted twelve pages of my thesis today to my advisors. Like, my footnotes need to be cleaned up and stuff. And they're probably gonna rip it to shreds. Yeah. But that was like my tenth draft of those twelve pages. Ugh. Right. Like, because I kept on not being happy enough with what I wrote, and I was like, "Stop it! You're never gonna be happy enough. Just write something." Yeah. And and so, but I was also yeah, I was in a better place, right? But it's like if I keep on doing that, I'll never get this thing done because. And it's hard. This is where like the ADHD is hard because I, mean, I it's always throwing like the twenty different ways you can look at this, mm -hmm. or that, or this problem in the parish. So yeah, I am a little verbose because I actually because I want people to know like actually I know it's not as simple as black and white. And yeah. here's how I can show that because people complain, oh you know just making us all black and white. Actually, it's not, and I know that, and I want to show you that I know that. Yeah. But then they'll complain that you talk too much or that you're <laughs> giving too much information. And it's like you're just like you can't win sometimes, right? Yeah. So it's it, it's it's um. I guess I just wanted to say, share all that because, you know, maybe, maybe people are listening, like maybe it's not priesthood, maybe it's marriage and having young kids and, and, and the, the sufferings that can come with that and the joys too. Like it's not to say it's not, there's not been joys this last year, but there's been a lot of, a lot of junk, a lot of suffering. Yeah. Um, but it's also, and I know we have a lot of priests to listen mm -hmm. and just, you know, I think sometimes it's good to share our heart this way. Um, because I think it's important to have that vulnerability and saying like, is this, is this what God is asking of me? Um, is not, not in like that ultimate vocational sense, but like the, this is the particular concrete task he's given me. Is this what he wants or that I have? Is this what he wants? Um, and you have, I think we have to ask that in all seriousness. Um, because if it's if I'm not doing the task he wants me to do, well, then I better I better work because like I'm not a careerist, right? If I got stuck here for not sorry, if I stuck not stuck's not the right word, but you know, if I was here for like 20 years, yeah, that's that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. Why would I? 
okay, great. That's what God wants. Like I am kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm not one of those, oh, I want to go to this. I mean, I have desires of what I think I'd like to do in the diocese. Sure. But I also look at the landscape and I recognize the reality. And uh, in the end, we put charisms aside sometimes for the sake of more basic things like the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so I just think it's important to share just because like this is this is stuff I think a lot of priests ask or maybe they their thoughts in the back of their minds, they didn't mm-hmm. realize they could have those questions. Yeah, yeah. It's not wrong, you know, a bishop asks us to go somewhere. We do it out of obedience. It doesn't necessarily mean like it's God's active will that you're there. Sure. It's often probably just his passive will. Yeah. Maybe, right? So that doesn't mean, it means that maybe things can be malleable. But they, So enter into fraternal conversation with your bishop, right? And then if that's the case, because your priesthood is also worth, and maybe it's like, maybe you do have weaknesses where you realize I can't do this task mm-hmm. to the point of like even fulfilling it on a reasonable level. Speak that to your bishop, right? And, and be honest with that and be okay with that. And I find I find most bishops will care enough about their priests to want to listen. Or at least on a very cynical, practical level, um, mm-hmm. it turns out that that cog doesn't fit in that machine, so you have to move it. <laughs> so <laughs> even if they're not yep. going to be pastoral and fatherly, yep. it might work yep. just to keep the machine running smooth. And, and I say this, like, because I, I, I think one of my benefits of being in a small diocese is right now is is I have a bishop who's very reachable nice yeah it right? is good and uh and uh he he called me about something a week and a half ago when i was in seattle so uh father colin Parrish and father matt fish were in the front seat and uh, my, my bishop oh my guys this minute my bishop's calling and like they're starting to laugh a bit like they're keeping it down to laugh i'm like well it's so funny like it's just so weird to us that your bishop just like there's no appointment set up like there's no vicar of clergy or his his executive assistant or a chance to reach out to say the bishop's gonna be calling you at this time exactly it was yeah. it was he just called you and he was like asking how scotland was and what's going on <laughs> you have something to talk about right but it's like they're like this is so weird i'm like no because i have a bishop who actually i have a relationship with and i'm actually really grateful for that yeah and i think that's and i and it actually gives me the freedom to speak I've gotten bolder in being open and honest with him, but sure. always, I think he also knows I honor and respect him as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and we'll give him that always, but I feel freer in speaking my, my opinion to things to him in a good way. Right. Cause I know he values to hear it. Yeah. And I value to hear his. So you, you should play that up though to those guys, but Oh yeah. So well, I'm actually a very important priest and uh, I'm basically the bishop's right hand man. You know, I'm on, I'm on the fast track to the Episcopacy myself. So we just call each other Gosh. all the time. You know, we just talk. Oh, it's uh yeah. God help me. God help me. <laughs> yeah. So Alrighty. yeah, it's just kind of like a rambly self-reflection one today, but those are good too, because yes, folks, I actually don't always think and speak about theology. Surprise! <laughs> cool. You got, you got right. the script? I do have the script. Hey, guys, thank you for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies, too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me going to uh, Dubrovnik to save my pastor. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FRHarrison. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or emails at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Hey, friends, it's happened again. We need some more theological emergencies. And we know you have those emergencies, and I know there's some of you. You've been too nervous to call in. Just do it. 
at the very least, it'll be good penance. It'll get you Jesus points, and Jesus points are what gets us to heaven. Please call 412-912-7995. 412-912-7995. Peace. God bless.